AJ Jones. Yes, sir. What people can't tell is that your shirt matches my shorts. It's true. They're the same color. And we kind of are color-coordinated, even though we didn't plan it. it. It's true. And you're wearing shorts, which I might find slightly distracting. You distract yourself just... away. <laughs> see, see how close I am? Nobody you would just know. have the best knees ever. People, I have the best knees ever. It's and official. legs just in general. And I, legs just in general. I have to ask him not to wear shorts when he's preaching in the summer because I can't pay attention. I'm not sure you pay attention. <laughs> I anyway. do. I pay attention. Oh, you do? I do? Absolutely. You're so adorable. Give me a weekly catch up because holy mother of pearl, this has been quite the week. It's been a crazy week. It's a kid's last day of, or last week of school. Last day of school today. Yes. As we record this. Yes. And so um, every, I feel like they've never done this before, but because of COVID mm-hmm. and blah, 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 every single class, so, you know, MJ's and Tia's and Abby's all have done a bunch of extra activities. Which is really sweet they've done that. Right. To sort of celebrate and let them have little extra parties with their friends. Yep. But it's meant that every night this week, there's been at least one and sometimes two events to go and like and divide and conquer and you know whatever. Well, last night we had uh, celebration, uh, graduation. Sorry, yes. We had sixth grade, no fifth grade graduation. What grade? Fifth you grade. In? Fifth yeah. grade graduation going from elementary school to, into middle school. That's right. Yeah. And we also had eighth grade, which is Abby going from middle school to high school. Yes. And there was same night we had to divide and conquer. Same so night, same time. Me and MJ went to Tia's graduation, which actually, as I'm not a fan. Of the just the passing of time. Yeah. Like, the, yay! It was actually really good. And it was really moving. And I almost shed a tear at it. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, The vice principal did shed a tear and it was very touching. Yours was like half an hour long. 40 minutes. Mine was an hour and 45 minutes. And outdoors. Yours and looked sweltering hot. Mine was in an air-conditioned outdoors. auditorium. And so here, but here's what I was figuring out while I was sitting there in the heat on a stadium bench. There's people that come really prepared for this stuff. On that note. And I tweeted this out, is that Southern culture confuses me. I've lived here, what, 12, 13 years? Mm-hmm. The first time I went, I'm speaking in general terms. Like, we're actually going to a wedding tonight, so we can test my theory. No pressure, everybody who's going to the wedding, who won't hear this in time to even hear. If, anyway, <laughs> my experience of <laughs> weddings in the UK where I grew up is no matter whose wedding it is, when it's happening, everybody was dressed formally. Yes. You would always dress formally. Yes. All the weddings I've been to in the South here, in the Nashville area, is I'm shocked. Not like I'm passing judgment at all. Just shocked at what people wear to weddings. Like, people don't seem to make an effort. There, of course, are people in the bridal party, yada, yada, yada. But generally speaking... Uh, I think it depends on what generation is attending the wedding. I'm just saying, generally speaking, I've... It's not the prepared. effort that's made in the UK or even Canada. The same thing. You you dress up hey, for stuff like you know this. what? Let's just keep my country okay. at the top. Yeah, all right, fine. But fifth grade graduation, everybody was dressed smarter and nicer and more formally at the fifth grade graduation last night than most of the weddings I've been Which at. Which you threw on jeans and a t-shirt for? I went in shorts and flip-flops. Nice. I No, I felt I wasn't graduating. I didn't care. <laughs> And MJ was in a t-shirt. You know, but Tia looked really pretty. Tia had a nice flown dress and all her teachers commented on how pretty she looked. There was a wide range of, of people dressing, uh, at, you know, because we were outside in a stadium, mm-hmm. you know. So some people were like legit dressed up and then other people were pretty much like me, jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. But, but I mean, I think, I don't know if this kind of stadium seating is used in a lot of places where people brought like their own seats that attach to the benches so that they have a back to lean against. That is smart. So many people had them, though. Like, not... Like, it, they were everywhere. Well, that's probably people who are used to being at athletic events and know what bleachers are going to feel like. Oh, they're probably, like, parents who have kids yeah. that do sports. Yeah. Right. Yeah, as opposed to us who have them who do them on, like, the Wii U. And... Well, update. The Wii U. What well, decade is this? <laughs> update Twitter. everybody on no. the swim team. Twitter. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I... Just a quick recap. Last week, we were all very excited because AJ signed up all the kids for our neighborhood swim team. Well, I was... Attempting to. I was attempting to. Yeah. And... And they said what? I just... Well, I thought I should ask a couple questions. And so I had asked about skill level, like what skill level? And they're like, oh, yeah, all skill level. So I was like, 
could you be more specific? Like, you know, because I'm just thinking they can swim, but really they all kind of look like they're gracefully drowning. Mm -hmm. And and so the person emailed back and said, well, they'd need to be able to swim the 25 meter length of the pool you know, on their own without stopping kind of thing. I know that and part was we like, were like, and yeah, all three not. are out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did tell them and uh, Abby just said, hey, could you work with me this summer so that I could do that? Great. By Good next for summer. Her. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll work on that with the kids. Get okay. Them, so get maybe it's going a, on lengths. a year pause. Yeah. I had some excitement um, and mild internet drama yesterday. Yes. I discovered that my credit card and what's curious about this is an Apple card. Now, I think it's only America that has the Apple card. I think so. I'm looking at Chris as an Apple nerd. But I think uh, so the Apple card is a credit card from Apple in partnership with Goldman Sachs, who, who are the bank behind it. But what's unique about it is they give you a card that has no credit card numbers on it at all. I, to this day, I don't think I've ever used a card at all. The card just got locked away in my drawer. Right. And so it's a virtual card that you only use on Apple Pay, you know, where you like touchless. Yes. And so to my shock yesterday, I got a notification that my card had been used at Uber Eats, which is not that unusual because we, we, we eat at Uber Eats, but we were both home. We were both home. I was sitting in a hammock and I was like, well, that's weird. So I looked at it and then realized this week alone, it's been used four times. So Apple has this Apple chat. It's just basically like text message, Apple business chat. So I just reached out to them to say, hey, I've noticed four unauthorized charges. Uh, Uber Eats only used at one place which i thought listen if you're a criminal and you've stolen somebody's credit card and you realize it's working go hit up some other retailers other than just uber eats for right. you know a sandwich or a curry or whatever uh but it was curious they'd only use it so anyway they, they instantly were just like no problem we've uh we've instantly updated your card which meant because uh it's a virtual card they just, they just beamed a new number numbers, to my yeah. phone instantly yeah and they said, you know, you'll be refunded for all those four charges. They're clearly not yours. They said, why don't you reach out to the merchant? So I, before I could even reach out to the merchant, I just was on Twitter, because of course I am. And I just happened to retell what I just told you. Well, before I could even reach out to Uber Eats, they contacted me saying, hey, we're so sorry this has happened. Get in touch with us. You know, DM us your details. So I did. And instantly in the Uber Eats app, boop, pops up. Hey, we're so sorry to hear this. Can you give us some more details? What were the dates of the charges? How much were they for? you know, what's the last four of the card that was used, sent it, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's being used. And they told me, they said, according to our privacy policy, we can tell you the first name of the person who's been using your card. Yeah. Can you tell us if you know this person? I was like, I do not, and I have not authorized my card to be used. And they were like, I was like, the Internet's wonderful. Within about an hour, they'd, they'd worked out who was using my card. In between then, I had deduced, at least I think I deduced, when you use your Apple Card, this is the podcast gold, by the way. That right, everybody is wanting. Well, I have eager to I have to. lots of um, internet shopping stories this week as well. Well, yeah. the thing is, when you scan with Apple Pay, you get two percent back in cash, or three percent, which is actually Uber is, has a thing where it's three percent. And I noticed I was only getting one percent back mm-hmm. on this, you know, on the little mm-hmm. um, Apple Wallet thing. And the one percent is only when you don't use Apple Pay, but when you use I, the card in person, uh, or the numbers are manually entered. Well, of course, I have the card, so either this person skimmed my numbers onto a fake card, yeah. But with subsequent information from Uber, they said no, they used them in the app. They must have just entered my card numbers. So I don't know how they got my number. I wow. don't know how they got my number, but God bless Apple. They just instantly turned it off, and Uber is. Uh, they already know who this guy is, so I don't know what's going to happen. But there, there you go. go. There was my internet drama, short-lived, yeah. a series of three tweets. I, I actually love the Apple card because I actually contacted them and said, hey, something I ordered over a month ago hasn't arrived. I have emailed the retailer. The website's now gone. I think I've actually been scammed. I'm kind of bummed by that because I've bought a lot on the internet for the last year and never had this problem, but I got scammed. But within one second of me looking at the website address that you ordered it from Well, that the wasn't the address. What you looked at the, is the communication that came back was awful, but that was after I contacted them and said, where is the stuff? Mm-hmm. And the the actual website is gone. That was, And it didn't look... Phony. Didn't look janky? No, it didn't. Okay. So I was like, all right, anyway. Yeah, your reply looked like it went through Google Translate from one language into English. It did. And I was like, hmm, that yes, was baby, that I money's like, gone. Mm, I think. So anyway, they're uh, they're taking care of it. But the good the good point with that is because you used Apple Pay, yeah. 
they won't have access to your credit they card. They don't have number. my card, yeah. So you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. So I'm still curious as to how this person got my 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 card. And then I I bought one other thing off the internet, which um these are called dip nails. You know, they like they dip them in. They're kind of like gels, but they're like, and you're supposed to do it yourself. Now, don't at skip. Home. Listen, if I'm going to go into detail about <laughs> Apple Card transactions, right, there's probably another small segment of our audience who's going to be fascinated yeah. by this. So explain it to me like I know nothing so, about women's well, nails. I don't know them. I so I don't. I guess I'm cheap. I don't want to spend $40 every two or three weeks. But that's because you don't like other people touching you. To get my nails done. Well, that's I don't want them to mess with my nails, no. I, I like the way Quite I do said. my nails. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't want them to touch my feet either. Yeah. So, yes. So, yes. I don't want them to touch me. <laughs> Granted. We got there finally. <laughs> okay. But I also don't want to spend $40 on my nails when I can do them myself. Right. Um, But they do break, and I've been doing like lots of... like. You know, manual labor. Manual labor, cleaning, that sort of thing. Very funny. Um, and so I s- kept seeing these advertisements for doing, being able to do dip, which is just basically like a really, it's like having a really thick, uh, like an acrylic nail put on top of your nail that stops it from breaking. And these don't, they don't chip. And so I saw like a home kit for $30. And I thought, well, if it's $30 and it's wasted, it's only $30. And at least I tried it because I've been thinking about it. So I did my nails yesterday and one hand definitely looks better than the other. Um, and it's not the hand that you would think. So my right hand looks better, but I think that's because I did it second and I had sort of gotten down the how to do it. And so this one looks like kind of a little bit bubbly, but because I can't really see without my glasses on, they look fine to me from here. So you spent $30, yeah. so you didn't have to spend $40 getting it done well, professionally. No, 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 but, <laughs> no, no, but I have... Genius. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, that's... And pardon I, me, I need to but, explain something else. But I'm not an <laughs> expert, but my observation of women's healthcare and beauty products is that you can't buy dog food for $30. What convinced you that this would be a good product? I just thought it would be fun for the summer, okay? And and was okay. it? <laughs> well, because as, also the color is interesting. Not as fun as you might think. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> okay, so I got four di- or six different colors. Uh huh. So I, you say, you know, you spent thirty dollars and forty dollars, but it's thirty dollars for like being able to do it a whole bunch of times. So yeah, like. It's it's much, 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 much cheaper, just to tell you that, because I can do it a whole bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Although I don't really know how how I take it how I take it off. <laughs> how I get it off my fingers. Um, because it's like rock hard. So this stuff isn't your nail? No, my nail's underneath it because I don't have fake nails to put underneath it. So that's my but this is like hard stuff on the top. Here mm-hmm. look, uh, wait, I'll scratch you. See? feels different doesn't it (laughs) anyway yeah so but the color of the powder changes apparently once you put the activator on it so I thought I was putting on something that was sort of like a rose pink and um that's some that's some pretty cosmic purple right there (laughs) so but it's on now and I don't know how to get it off you when I saw the color I was like (laughs) you look like a woman of a certain age well who uses slow down (laughs) who uses slow down So I'll tap out while I can. Okay, it's a pretty purple, and your daughter, whose favorite color is purple, thinks that I did it for her. So let's leave it at that. <laughs> Pray she never listens to these episodes. <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> you look like you're like. No, I just my brain went to what are we talking about today? And I was trying to run through my notes, but I, it's easier if I just actually look at my notes. Yeah, that'd be better. I'll drink coffee about. while you look at your notes. Yeah, it's the first time you've ever had coffee on the show. I know. Well, I was desperate. I. Today I needed it. This was such a crazy week. All right. I We're going to talk about the importance of being able to live in both tension and peace. Yes. Or how to live in peace while tension's around. Right. Because there is a notion that in order for you to live at peace... You uh, can't have any you can't tension have any in tension, your life. Which is just a fallacy. Yeah, because good luck with that. <laughs> life is filled with tension. Right. But seriously, from the, from the seemingly benign, like, here's a tension... I want to eat chocolate. I don't want to gain weight. Yeah. Right. Or mm-hmm. I'm really, really married. Really, really married. As yeah, opposed you to are. just married. I you am are married. Really, really married. But I also <laughs> want to spend time with my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're, you know, those are the simple tension. Okay. 
what's the number one thing that we counsel brand new couples on? It's the tension over why why is my life changed? Because you committed your life to another person and you right. don't have as much free time as you had before. Right. Yeah. And it's not all about you anymore. Yeah. Right. So there's, you know, there's like lots of tension. But then you can move up to like the philosophical or existential tension that we all just lived through last year. Like I talked about last week. You know, oh my gosh, people I love are making choices that I can't wrap my hand around why they're making those choices. Or, oh my God, what is our government doing? Or I can't believe the CDC is doing this or isn't doing this. Right. Th- th- that's there's all constant tension. Tension, tension in relationships. The, there's the tension of of like finances and and bills and you know planning and looking ahead to the future and college right. funds and I mean there's there's Any, always tension. Life is filled with limitations and limitations always introduce tension. Yes. So how do you live at peace while in tension? It's a great question. How do you live in peace while in tension? Well, let's talk about that because. Let's not answer the question, how do you live in peace and intention yet? Let's talk about me and you, our ways of dealing with tension. Okay. I mean, you just did a whole podcast episode on two podcasts ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But seriously, like as humans, we have lots of options available to us. Yes. A lot of them not very healthy, but like retreat, hide, withdraw, ignore, deny. Yes. Push into fix. I was thinking about life languages. We've talked about life languages before. Life language is so, so helpful. Everyone's all about the Enneagram. Yeah. I'm all about life languages. Yeah. And so life language is seven different ways that we speak emotionally and, and relationally and we communicate. And, pr- and process life, basically. And process. Yeah. You know, we're all, we all have varying degrees of fluency in all seven. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about life languages is it also tells you what you're predictably, the way you're going to predictably sabotage when you're in crisis or intention. Yes. And we're both high shapers. Yes, very high shapers. So the distress flares for us, or the, the, the way that we would typically react, is criticize, eliminate, take over. Yes. For others, it's attack, demand, attack. Essentially, we want to control if well, we can. Totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and if you can't get out of the way so that I can. Right. <laughs> uh, so I was just thinking about that. But like you've talked about some of the ways that you have um, you know, managed your tension. I think I go to... Uh, I mainline data, certainly in the last year and a half. Yes, you it's like, do. Let me research the heck out of everything. Let me, yeah. let me just snort up all the data. <laughs> let me assimilate. Let me have a plan. And then let me argue my way out of it. Let me like, oh, the reason you're making bad decisions is you don't know this. Let me just teach you this, this, and this. And of course, right. that's a gift because as a teacher, it's helpful. Yeah. It's also not really effective way of living life. Right. And you can't logic your way out of distress. Well, especially if your distress is in that more existential category. Like I was thinking about, you know, we're doing the boundaries summer school at the moment, yeah. talking about boundaries a lot. And I was thinking about the simple aspect of boundaries is imagine you've got a hula hoop around you. Everything inside your hula hoop is yours to manage. Everything outside of your hula hoop is not yours to manage. At mm-hmm. best, maybe you can influence, but largely you have no control over it. Right. I've been thinking about most of the stuff that my tension has been about is all outside of my hula hoop. Yep. And I'm thinking, oh, if I can just strategize harder, if I can just effort harder, if I can research harder. And I'm like, oh, none of it's all outside it's all your hula. You have yeah. got no control over that. Right. I think that what's tricky is like, I think I have moments where it's healthy boundaries. Hey, that's outside of my hula hoop. I also have moments where I head into apathy. You know, so, so it's, glad you said that. So, yes. Yeah. So it's like, no, it's, I, I'm actually like, Pfft. right. You know what? I don't even care. Let's hold that thought because yeah. that, that the, the the thin line of walking between it's outside of my hula hoop and a healthy response is I can't manage it so I have to trust. Right. Is uh, There's a thin line between that and it's just apathy. Yeah. Which is unhealthy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Okay. I didn't know that. There you go. The reason I'm excited about how to live in tension is I want to share with you something the Holy Spirit shared with me. Oh. I was having one of those. So one of the things I've learned that I do in the last year which, to be sure, I've done my whole life but didn't know I did it. Mm-hmm. That whole thing of you know awareness is so important. Is I, I remember it very clearly. I'm driving down Highway 65. I'm driving south on Highway 65. I forget where I was, but I was north. And I'm heading south back to our house. And what I don't realize I'm doing, I realize I'm driving. I'm aware that that's what I was doing. What I didn't realize I was doing was I had gone into a future imaginary scenario and I'm basically in court arguing my position. And I'm also arguing 
the positions of all the people who are like figureheads of what my tension is about. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm arguing their side. I'm arguing my side. And as I'm doing this, unaware I'm doing it because I'm driving, mm-hmm. I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, he says, Alan, the option to not concern yourself with things too wonderful for you is always available. And just him saying that snapped me out of what I was doing. Like I'm, what I'm doing is driving where my, all my mental capacity is, is in the future scenario where I'm, well, I'll say this and then they'll say that. And then I'll say this and I'll say, you know, just doing my decision tree of if this, then that else, this, if this, then that, you know, just. This this story terrifies me on a number of, of levels, actually. Talk to me about your fear. Well, well, here's my fear. Yeah. You don't pay attention when you're driving in the best of times. And now you're saying you go and have this conversation with with your future self (laughs) in a court, whatever. And in addition to that, you said you were driving on 65. We don't drive on 65 to go to work, which means you're driving on 65 coming back from like Uncle Julio's or someplace like that, which means my children are probably Baby, in the car while this is happening. We all do a certain level of dissociation while we're driving. Uh, okay. Like we get home and, but you know. But you need we- to be in the game <laughs> and still you can't remember driving home. In my defense. Yeah. I wasn't aware that I was doing the thing of the, like, you know, my mental capacity was occupied with arguing my case. Okay. Until the Holy Spirit said that. Oh. Because well, driving is an automatic I'll, I'll thing. Just, you, I'll try and let it go. I'll just try yeah, and. I yeah. understand. I'll, uh, I'll put that um, not into apathy, but just outside of my trusting the Lord. To keep me safe. And my children. And your children. The children were in the car. I'm, if I remember. I was pretty sure they were. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I have this, you know, this this little Holy Spirit thought, and I instantly recognize that's Psalm 131. I've actually copied and pasted it, but I didn't copy and paste the reference. I want to read it to you, right? Okay, yeah. So I know that it's Psalm 131, and uh, so I go home and I read it, and this is what it says. And it's David. David, who is a man who lived in a certain amount of tension. Oh, yeah. You could say that. Yeah. He says this, my heart is not proud. Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I've calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Do you know those times when you read scripture? Eyes up here, babe. I see you checking me out. I can't help it. Is You're it the shirt? so cute. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. You know those times when you read scripture and scripture just teaches you? Like the words jump off the page, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit just brings jumps into your spirit. Oh, it just brings conviction's got this kind of like negative spin to it. Conviction's beautiful, you know. Yeah, when the Holy Spirit beautiful. convicts you and helps you understand. Yeah. And in that moment, I just get this download from heaven about the way I've been living, the way I've been thinking, and and uh, an opportunity to think in a different way from heaven. And so, actually, I need my notes because there's a thought for each verse. I'm ready. What's your first thought? Derek Prince used to say, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. Right. He would talk about, you know, the word of God is alive, sharper than a two-edged sword. Yeah. That's what happened. Because I'm reading that, and I'm thinking, oh, no, my heart is proud. Like David's saying, my heart is not proud. And I'm like, oh, no, my heart is totally proud. Right. Because I'm having a conversation with a group of people who aren't there to speak for themselves. So I've got the arrogance the pride to think that I know what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're saying, so right. that I can present my cases against them. Which is never good, because we actually never know what the other person is no, thinking. No, one of my favorite Bill Johnson's quotes is precisely that. We're at our dumbest when we think we know the motives of another person's heart. Right. And here I am in this future courtroom where I'm, you think this, and so here, and I'm like, I, in this moment, I, I'm realizing, Alan, that is so prideful, but, so arrogant. But also, I think, especially with the people that are closest to us, mm-hmm. we're the fastest to do that right. because we are convinced in and of ourselves, I know what you're thinking. Like, our our yeah. ongoing joke is, like, you'll say, well, I know you're thinking this, or I'll say, I know you're thinking that. And we miss each and other Invariably, we're often wrong. And we're with each other almost every mm-hmm. second of the day. So think about our news reports and our news channels again to just zoom out a little bit think how much commentary is based on speculation that we take as fact right that we our media attaches narrative and presents it as truth yes anyway don't want to get off on that tangent so i'm having this revelation i am proud it goes on and says 
you know, my eyes are not haughty. And I'm like, oh, no, my eyes are absolutely haughty. I had to look up haughty to make sure it was you what I thought hot. it was. You are hot. And I, it's shockingly, that's not what it means. Oh, it isn't. Okay. No, yeah. haughty means superior and disdainful. I was like. Yeah. Yuck. Because, again. Yeah. I think I'm right. Right. Which is horribly arrogant. Right. Like, even if I am right, it's still horrible because there's this disdainful attitude that, like, well, if only you'd done this research, if only you'd thought this, then you would know, you know, hey, let me teach you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so toxic and horrible and, and, and awkward. I think I know why I'm right. Bad enough. Worse, I think I know why everybody else is wrong. I mean, in this scenario, right, where I'm presenting all these cases, well, if they say this, then I will say this. And, you know, I'm playing this mental chess game with everybody. Not only that, I realize that my eyes are darting to and fro, looking for evidence to back up my position. Right. This is just from reading the Bible, by the way. Like, all this is, all this is coming out. I'm only two, two, I'm not even two verses in. I'm just two parts into a verse, and already... I, I know the root cause of my problem. Yeah. It's that I'm arrogant and proud. That's lovely. I didn't know yeah. before. Yeah. I just thought I was right and people were wrong. And the Lord shifted the discussion from right and wrong to are you proud and didn't even entertain the other people. Well, because <laughs> I feel like God's discussions with us are all about heart motivation mm-hmm. more than intellectual understanding. So mm-hmm. it really never is going to be about right and wrong. Well, it is always going to be so about. so true because you think about when the Lord has spoken to us about each other. Like mm-hmm. I remember very early on in our marriage, I'd have a fight and I would go talk to the Lord about it. Like, I can't believe she's this and that and the next thing. And I, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord would only ever speak to me about my side of the conversation. Yeah. And he would say, well, yeah, well, Alan, you were quick tempered. Well, I was, but, but yeah. AJ, the woman that you gave me. <laughs> and the Lord's like, yeah, but I don't hold you accountable for AJ's. Yeah. Behavior. I hold you accountable for your behavior. Yeah. And I was like, well, well, all right, just as long as you're having a conversation with her like this, but from the other side. <laughs> Which he never told me if he was or not. Occasionally, you know, occasionally we're talking about other things. No, just kidding. Go ahead. As I'm thinking about that, I'm realizing I hate tension so much that I would rather sin than live with the tension. Oh, talk about that. Well, I didn't know I was doing that. I just like wanted to, you know, my, I have a core value in life that I want to be humble and I want to be meek. Right. Like that is something I deeply desire. And the reason I want it so badly is there's constant evidence that I don't have it. Okay. Right. So it's important to me that I want to be a humble man. I want meekness in my life. And now I've got this revelation that, oh my God, I am haughty and I'm arrogant and I didn't know it. Which means I am more comfortable violating some core values and stepping into sin than I am just sitting with my feelings about tension. So humility is at war with wanting to be right. Humility was left on, you know, Highway 65 bleeding and battered. <gasps> right? And I didn't know it was missing. <laughs> Wave, kids. Wave to humility. <laughs> what was that? It's daddy's meekness and humility. Don't worry about it. Oh, but it gets worse. So you keep reading and I realize, oh my gosh, I am concerning myself with things that are, with great matters. I am concerning myself with things that are too wonderful for me. Because most of the stuff that I've been in tension about is, like I said, all stuff that is way above my pay grade. The World Health Organization is not knocking at my door going, Alan, once well, you you've done some masks? extensive research, yeah, could you... Yeah. Could you give us your opinion? Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's not in my realm or my sphere of responsibility whatsoever. And to use a you know quaint English expression, my knickers are in a twist about all of this stuff. And I'm finding <laughs> peace by ramping up my anxiety. Okay. I mean, I'm not finding peace. I'm getting away from myself by yes. moving into anxiety yeah, you... I can control rather than sitting with the tension I can. Right. Having lived with you during this season, you definitely hey, weren't moving into hey, peace. Hey, simmer down there. <laughs> I I I concur. Um, sidebar. Yeah. On that topic. Yeah. I was flipping through my journal the other night. I was just you know scrolling through my journal, just reviewing the year of you know <gasps> whinging intercession. <laughs> I come across this. Yeah. Like I don't often read my journal out loud to the public, but I thought this was so pertinent to the topic we're talking about. Yeah. I'm flipping through my journal, and I come to an entry, and I'm complaining to the Lord. This is what I said. I said to him. 
I, I'm, I'm complaining to the Lord, which I'm not going to read out, all about the tension in various areas of my life. And I'm just I'm pouring out my lament. I'm really just kind of whinging intercession. And I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And this is what he said back to me. He said, son, you do know what to do. And I, I was like shocked. So I was like, I do? And he was like, sure you do. You need to rest. And you need to focus on what brings you joy. And you need to trust me that I am in this, the tension, mm. at work for your good. Not to be outdone, I said to the Lord. But Lord, rest feels like apathy. Trust feels like powerlessness. And finding joy in a season of calamity feels selfish. And so the Lord said this, then that is where the problem lies. Not that you don't know what to do. It's like the problem lies with you. You don't agree with me. Right. And you're interpreting what I'm saying. And I, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Like, I am so much happier to move to things I think I can manage. Imaginary courtroom scenarios. Right. You know, I basically I can I'm more comfortable leaving reality to a future where I win than being in the present where I'm left with unanswered questions. Yeah. Back to Psalm 131. I'm, re- I'm reading this and I'm realizing because my heart is proud. Because my eyes are haughty, and because I'm concerning myself with great matters, and because I'm concerning myself with things that are too wonderful for me, I am neither calm nor am I quieted. Mm. Like, reading this psalm diagnosed my heart condition. And I didn't know any of that was happening. Wow. Which is what happens when you leave yourself. Right. Like, you depart to a more comfortable place, either the future or to denial. Yeah. I think, though, I'm, that makes a lot of sense to me because I think a lot of times I'm completely unaware that I've left myself, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it seems at the time the kindest thing to do. But then you have to find your way back, too. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a whiplash scenario right there. Yeah, that's beautiful, babe. Yeah. So then it's figuring out what is the solution. Like, what? how, how do we answer it? Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, the solution I found yeah. Was you have to keep reading, and then I read the psalm backwards. Backwards? <laughs> well, l- listen to me. So okay. if you keep reading, it says, I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Mm-hmm. Like a weaned child, I'm content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. That's the end of the psalm. Right. Now, if you read it backwards, it starts with the instruction to put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Oh, that's good. So if I you get, read the psalm, it leads you to a uh, series of steps. If you yeah. read it backwards, it tells you how to... Un- how to get back. Yeah. How to okay. get them back? Oh, that's so good. I have. I don't know about this from a like a you know biblical integrity model, but I frequently did. You just belch. Mm-hmm. That was a well-contained belch. Thank you. I don't have that skill. No, you don't. I just let it out. You can't contain any gases. No. <laughs> Lucky complete me. sidebar. <laughs> we have an air purifier in our bedroom. <laughs> That is set to automatic. And it's on Alan's side of the bed. <laughs> and periodically throughout the night while we're sleeping, it will just ramp up to like... It, it goes to like jet plane and running I've, in the room. I've realized that there's a, there's a pattern yes. between when that happens. Yes. And I'm like, okay, that's very clever. Back to the Psalms. <laughs> Back to my... I don't know if this is like an approved exegetical model for reading scripture. Okay. but Like reading Psalms backwards? Well, well, not, not that part. Oh, okay. But potentially. <laughs> yeah. But personalization. Okay. So before this psalm was ever my psalm, yeah. before it was ever written to me, sure. it was written to them. Yes. Right? David was writing it. And it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Right. Often when I'm reading scripture, I personalize it. Because yes, it was written an encouragement to Israel. And I'm not Israel. Right. But if we can still take the same scripture that was written then right. to a different time, the scripture is still well, written to us at different I am people. a person in covenant relationship with the Lord. So I personalize it. So I read that as, okay, Alan. Put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Mm-hmm. So if you start there, working backwards, put your name in and say, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Suddenly, your hope, Lord, I'm putting my trust, I'm putting my faith. Not only that, I'm putting my hope. Because prior, my hope to getting out of the tension was to be proved right. Right. The way out of this tension is if I can just prove to everybody else they are wrong and I'm right, so let's go. Right. Let's lawyer up and do this thing. Right. And the Lord's like, Dad, that's folly. Elsewhere, I say, don't lean on your own understanding. Right. But in all your ways, acknowledge God. I think what I like about that is it's an action to put your hope Mm -hmm. in the Lord. And so by its very definition is different from apathy. Mm -hmm. It's not roll over, play dead, don't care. 
It will all work it's, out. It, Trust God. Case you know, Right. But it's actually, actually, no, I am going to recognize the tension and in the midst of recognizing, choose Do to put something my hope with my in the energy. Lord. Yeah. And, and then you're actually engaging in trust as opposed to apathy. Well, one of your favorite life verses is Romans 8, 28, which is? For we know that he causes all things to come together for uh, those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Right. So we understand that this tension is unto my good. Yes. That, that this very tension that I'm experiencing, that I'm living, that feels crushing, that feels suffocating, is actually there's goodness in it. Yes. You can't find it yet. But stay with God, and you'll have the opportunity to look backwards and realize, in hindsight, oh, God, you're a genius. And I, I would say even in that, like, I have, I can look back at 49 years now of that, mm-hmm. of God showing up and being present and turning things around mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And even though I have all of that life experience, I can still, in a moment of tension, forget who he is, the what kinds of like. things, what he's like, how kind he is, how faithful he is, whatever, and have my freak out. And then I have that choice again of trust or apathy. Mm-hmm. Well, see, my problem, you're, everything you've said is absolutely right. The danger comes that that, tr- that choice seems like a cognitive choice. But if we've left ourselves, we're not at the front of our brain to make that choice. Yes. We're hiding in Netflix or books or yes. alcohol or porn or distress or lawyering up in the future, wherever. We've right. gone to an addictive state where, you know, the, the seeming choice is lost. Right. Like, there's no choice. I have to work my way out of it. Yeah. Which is why it's so important to put our hope. Like, if we start there, I'm going to put my hope in you right now, both now and forevermore. Now in the season of tension... And I'm going to make a commitment in the future seasons of tension. That's where my all that emotional energy. Mm-hmm. You know, Gary Morgan says that worry is a misuse of imagination. I love that. Mm-hmm. It totally is. So think about all the energy I've spent in the last so year. So much energy. In the future, in an imaginary courtroom where I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Right. Like all that emotional energy could have been put into imagining all the successful outcomes with God in my life. But I chose not to. Then out of that place of securely attaching your hope to the Lord, I find contentment. I remember coming back and reading that psalm and just sitting with the Lord. Like, there was no sense of God's anger, wrath. You know, when we talk about conviction, we think of condemnation. Conviction is not condemnation. No. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. But conviction's beautiful. It's It's more like like a, hey, can I show you what's robbing life from And as he's doing that, that yeah. contentment comes like, oh, Lord, I forgot. Like, this is who you are. This is what you're like. The contentment, the safety and security of having a mom who's going to look after you, like a wean child. Yeah. So you've been breastfed. You've experienced all that rich nurture for a year, a year and a half, perhaps. You're now eating solid food, which mm, is so good. But you've got that. Just think about how secure and safe a wean child feels. Mm. Like, I've got this attachment, this secure attachment to my mom. She's still cradling me. She's still feeding me, but now I'm still getting like eye-to-eye contact that she's feeding me, and she, I'm hearing her soft voice, like, open wide, here comes a choo-choo train. There's contentment, the security, my needs are being met. That's the contentment that's available to us if we'll put our hope in the Lord, which is beautiful. See, that safety, I, I wrote down this, and I want to read it because I love the way it's written, and I can't, as I'm reading it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I want to read it without looking at my notes, but I'm going to look at my notes, realizing that most people who are listening to the podcast don't even know I'm reading notes. I know. They can't see my nails. They don't know you're reading notes. All right. Become a member for all that goodness. Okay. (laughs) I've written this. Out of that place Mm -hmm. of contentment, of security, of having my hope in God, I'm like a weaned child with my mother. The safety, the security, the comfort that I have been missing which leads me to all my figuring, all that striving, all that arguing, all that mental chess in the future vanishes because I'm content with God and in time content with mystery, knowing that my God will work all this out for my good. And, and when you're in that place, the knowledge that he will removes the need to know how. Yes. I can be content. God, I know you. I know what you're like. Like my experience with you is a lifetime of redemption. Like there's no limit to your goodness. So I don't need to concern myself with things too wonderful for me. Like how are you going to redeem this? Yeah. How are you? I can just trust that you've got it. Like a wean child doesn't worry about where their next meal is coming from. Now here's the thing. Out of that place, like the hope, 
and your trust being put in the right place, the contentment that's there of just experiencing the Father, that right there, you would think, that's the answer. No, that's not the answer. That's the foundation for the answer. The answer that calm and quiet, you know, will come is not automatic. It's not a guarantee. Look at the words that David says. He says this, I have calmed and quieted myself. Right. So out of contentment, you actually get exercise a discipline. Yeah. But you also get a platform or the tools or the ability to calm and quiet yourself, to choose something different than what you were choosing before. And that process of calming and quieting yourself is a skill that must be learned, cultivated, developed, and reinforced. It's not a reflex. It comes by practice. It's something that we can do. And I've learned, like, in seasons of my life, clearly I abandoned all my tools last year as I went to the back of my brain. <laughs> Didn't we both, though? Yeah, high yeah. five. <laughs> but what I've learned is that that skill, I love what Graham Cook says, it's just a discipline. It's like learning to use a laundry, mm-hmm. a laundry machine. It's like, you know, reminding yourself to put the bins out, you know, every Wednesday night. It's just a discipline. It's just something that you can practice doing. And I think what, what I've learned uh, has been really helpful about all that feelings work is, the most effective way for me to bring myself to calmness and to quietness is to feel my feelings, give them to God, and find out what I need. Like like what I talked about last week in the, the episode where we were talking about vaccinations. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I need to feel my feeling of sadness to reach the gift of acceptance. Yeah. I need to feel my fear so that I can reach the wisdom and the faith that I need. The danger that I've noticed in my life is that when I'm not willing to f- uh, feel my feelings, I leave my body. Right, either through all the things we've talked about. In this case, this particular case is like, oh, going to the future where I have won and I'm victorious by reasoning my way out of my, uh, my, you know, my current tension. Um, all right, so we put our trust in God. Mm-hmm. We've got a firm foundation. Yeah, we feel contentment. Yeah, we can practice the skills that we've talked about at length Choose about peace. bringing ourselves calm and bringing ourselves yeah. to quietness. Out of that place, then we realize the temptation to concern ourselves with things too wonderful for me, the temptation to, you know, go there is not worth it. Like the risk is not worth the reward of what I already have of staying here. And I've realized that since reading Psalm 131, there's now this ability. You remember that prayer I talk about? It's another Psalm, which I should really remember because I quote this a lot, but never remember the verse about may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock Mm -hmm. and my redeemer. Mm -hmm. And I remember praying that. I remember praying that years ago when I was a school teacher, that the Lord was talking to me about let your gentleness be evident to all. And I realized I wasn't very gentle with some of my students. So I asked the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you put like a little alarm bell, a tripwire that anytime I'm thinking something, anytime I'm going to say something that is not pleasing in your sight, would you just nudge me? Right. Well, I've noticed since, you know, this Psalm 131 that when there's a temptation to leave or to reason or to argue or to, you know, go to my mind palace and be the king, mm-hmm. that there's this nudge like, oh, remember remember that doesn't lead to the contentment you're looking for? Right. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Out of all of that, I will not, you know, I, I now feel like the ability to not concern myself with things too wonderful. Whereas before it was like, oh, that's an automatic reflex. That's what I'm going to do. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what I love about that is it makes me think about like we, one of the things that we teach about like on the school is, you know, or we reference like kind of setting an alarm with the Holy Spirit. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I've now had this revelation that in this situation I respond like this. Holy Spirit, would you set an alarm that would, you know, nicely nudge me? me Hey, hey, hey. You're about to head in that direction again. So I just kind of love that because I think God's so faithful that he, even even if we forget that that was an alarm that we set, mm-hmm. you know, that the Lord is so good to be like, hey, hey, uh-uh. That, hey, remember that wasn't skill. life? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Remember that, buddy? Yeah, I love that. Well, then out of that place of doing that, mm-hmm. of not choosing to go beyond your hula hoop mm-hmm. in a healthy way, not mm-hmm. in an apathetic way, is our eyes are not having a dart to and fro to, to discern danger. You know, right. We're not having because we have safety already. Oh, we already have safety. Yeah, and of course, you know, everything I've just said is like is great because it's the Bible. Mm-hmm. But it's much easier to talk about than to actually do. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because I have a, I, a, the Lord only knows how long a reflex I've had. The I've left myself. I've gone to the future successful state where I've right. won world peace by arguing everybody into submission. Right. You know, that's that's a, been a reflex for so long, and sure. now it's that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, that doesn't actually produce life. Let's practice this new skill. 
So there you mm-hmm. go. That's my best thinking. It's not even my thinking. You know, that's, that's Psalm 131 yeah. with uh, an antidote or r- rules of engagement for living intention, which is never going to go away. Yeah. I mean, it's been ramped up in the last year or so. Yeah. But we're always going to be in tension. Yeah. And we're invited to always be in peace. Yes. So good. I love that. Me too. I love it. I hope that was encouraging to you. Yeah. All right. Mrs. Jones. Yes. You shared beautifully and vulnerably two episodes ago. Yes. And we have a listener's question <laughs> out of your episode 237 where okay. you shared out. And this is an anonymous person. Mm-hmm. And she says this. The episode about are you dying emotionally wrecked me, yet gave me such revelation. My question is, when you realize what's happening and that you are unraveling, who do you talk to? AJ, who do you recommend for this type of healing and counseling? I'm a single mom and don't have money to pay each week and need to find some help as this is overwhelming. And of course, I'm trying to not show this to my kids. Any help would be appreciated. Um, I, I think I have a, a bunch of thoughts about that. For one thing, and I didn't do this until way, 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 way late, but I did talk to one or two friends who were completely outside of the circle of all that I was trying to mm-hmm. run from uh, and, and you know, just trusted people that I've known for 20 years that are, you know, people that would have tools that I'm... I had just thrown out of the pram in my scenario. Pram, stroller. Stroller, yeah. you know, just. Uh, so I, I did talk to one or two of those people, and that did help me um, quite a bit. Uh, but I also reached out to someone who is a professional counselor and said, hey, um, I, I had this, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast, but I had this realization that I was sitting in a meeting uh, with a bunch of people and we're all trying to process what we're all trying to carry. And in that meeting, several of them were like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, but it's okay. Cause I'm going to see my counselor tomorrow or I'm going to whatever. And I literally thought to myself, what am I doing? Like, why am I trying to navigate this system or this, this season on my own? Right. Um, and so much of what we try and navigate is, like confidential information. So it's like it, you really can't talk to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reached out to a licensed counselor and just said, you know, I, I prayed about a lot. I have some previous wounding with counseling type things. And mm-hmm. so I'm not naturally, I don't naturally want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed about it and I had a picture of this person who I don't actually know. I mean, I, I, I know him, but I, I've never had a conversation with him. Yep. You actually know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just said, hey, babe, like, I think I need to see someone. I need to talk. I need to get some better tools. I need to process stuff. And uh, this is who I thought of. And you were like, yeah, he's awesome. He's an angel. Well, that's not how the conversation went. Oh. You were like, babe, I'm thinking, do you have anybody you'd recommend? And oh, that's right. Because I recommended I wanted to, the person that you I were thinking I wanted to about. see who you would recommend. Yeah, because that's who yeah. I was thinking about. Um, and so uh, I actually just, I just heard it back from him today. Yeah. Uh, Curious that, timing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's taken a couple of months to get in, um, but I'm going to start doing that. So that's exciting. But also, like, there's places where, like, I, I uh, Anonymous, you said, I can't really afford counseling. There's places, depending on where you live, uh, but I know there's places in Nashville uh, where they, they base it on they have uh, a sliding, a sliding scale. scale. And so, you know, they, they help you. Um, get in there regardless of what your finances mm-hmm. look like. And I'd be pretty surprised if in most big cities there isn't some place that would offer um, some something like that. My, th- That's beautiful. I hope that's helpful, Anonymous. I want to just add two two thoughts. Yeah. Is one, when you're talking about speaking to, you know, trusted friends. Yeah. The I, Anonymous, obviously I don't know you because you're anonymous. Yeah. And I don't know your setup and I don't know your friends. The, the beautiful thing about many of the friends that we have, it's not that they're licensed or skilled um, you know, therapists, professionally trained therapists, but they have learned the fine art of creating space for other people's feelings. Yes. Where they're like literally holding up a bag so that you can vomit into. Yes. And they're not asking, well, what did you eat? And why do you think you're sick? And how long is it going to be? And right. you know, don't you know better? And, if you, and they're not, not even doing trying that. to give you advice. Nope. They're just creating just space hearing you. for you as a human to be present with all of your feelings. They they are not threatened by your humanity. So yeah. 
If you're going to do that, find people who've got a good track record of treating their own heart with kindness. Yeah. That would be my first thought. And then the second thought is exactly what you're saying is, yeah, a scaled outside perspective is is so helpful. And a lot of places do sliding scales. But also, if you're in a church, you will have access to pastors, and they might not be able to provide ongoing, consistent care, but they might be able to meet with you once, right, and they care. may have resources mm-hmm. that you don't know about and that are going to be far more effective than just, you know, cold Googling it. Right. So that that's another thing that I have found helpful in this season, and this what I'm going to suggest is an addition to the two things that AJ suggested, not an alternate, is that sometimes getting your feelings outside of yourself into an external form, either that being journaling, like just pouring out your lament to the Lord, yeah. and it just helps you sort out your thinking, just like, and you're feeling like, this yeah. is what I'm, I'm feeling. If you know how to journal, when I say know how to journal, I'm talking about two-way journaling, then that might be helpful. I'll put a link in a show notes to an episode where we talk about how to hear God's voice in four easy steps. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes if if you're in distress with another person, sometimes writing them a letter that you're never going to send. Yeah, the purpose is not to send it. The purpose is not to send <laughs> it. The purpose is to get all this feelings and uh, out on paper. Because sometimes for me, I don't know what I'm feeling till I talk about it. And yes. sometimes there's not people I can talk to. So then I write about it. So Yes, so good. If you've got a question that you would love to ask us. Go to alanandaj.com slash ask. If you would like the show notes for this episode, you want to go to alanandaj.com slash 239. And if you would like to watch the video of these podcasts, if you'd like to get discounts on all of our books, on on our training resources, if you'd like to have priority Q&A, you become a member of the show. And to learn how to do that, go to alanandaj.com slash join to learn about all the benefits and how to become a member. And I think that's it for this week. Babe, I wonder if maybe for next week's show, I should do your nails like dip for the members to see. Maybe we could do green or blue or something. Something I think that's a terrible festive. idea. <laughs> and that's why we're going to wrap up this week's episode. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.